What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 317, 317, broken up into two parts, A and B. B. Thank you, gentlemen. 317A, posting on Valentine's Day, 214, will be a discussion on the latest from M. Night Shyamalan knock at the cabin and 317b posting on 217 will be discussion on everything everywhere all at once the the many oscar nominated film everything everywhere all at once i am one of your hosts grayson m night it's all out of tricks maxwell joining me as he does every week is my co-host wow. can we get a sequel to signs stillian and our lovely perma guest chris i love the happening because i'm a huge troll bon i've never seen it Oh, Perfect. really? Okay, fair. That's I the figure. best time to be a troll. <laughs> <laughs> Make bold statements, never play the game, never watch the movie. <laughs> Fucking, I hate it. Uh, what's going on, guys? How was your week? How's the weather down, or sorry, up yonder, I should say? I mean, it's 55 degrees in the middle of February. It's not terrible, It actually. was 72 degrees a couple of days yeah. ago. The so. earth is dying. <laughs> Climate well, change know, is not well, real. The, <laughs> no. The, the funny thing is, like, I've been. This is a deep dive, but I saw one. I saw one news story that you know always gets buried because I don't think anyone really care about these. No one clicks on them. But like, mm-hmm. the, for, we know that the we know for some reason I don't know how we know but we know the Earth's core is slowing down from what it's been, but no one seems to know why or what the ramifications of that will be. And I find that to be not that I'm not saying there's any direct correlation to that in like weather, although I'm sure whatever intention, whatever is going to happen is going to be pretty goddamn catastrophic. But no one's talking about this. And it seems like a problem that's a little bigger than than that. It seems like people should be discussed, like world leaders should be gathering to figure out what to do about this. (laughs) But, you know, that's just me. Maybe I'm the one that's wrong on this one. I don't know. But. I mean, it sounds like a conspiracy theory. I thought we solved this problem in 2003. Didn't we <laughs> send the shuttle down there and took care of that? We did. We did with Aaron Eckhart and Hillary, yeah, Hillary Swank. Was that not a documentary? That was It filmed in real time. Filmed in live action. Score. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I don't know. I just think it's weird that that's, uh, that's a problem that's going to affect every single life on this planet. <laughs> like it or hate it. But also, I've been hearing that by 2025, solar flares are going to cook everything on the planet. I don't... I just... I don't know what you're doing. All right, anymore. man. Like you go down like a weird, like the, <laughs> like you watched a movie about the apocalypse and went down some rabbit hole that you probably shouldn't. Went. I don't know. I've been, I've just been, you know, trying to read some of these articles. Like they're really and all downhill from there. Ever yeah, since they downhill. shot down that weather balloon or whatever the fuck it was. I don't know. All oh, it's good. You bring that up. So oh, there's, good, good we got a segue. Great. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, there's another weather balloon or they, they just shot down something over the central U S that was over Alaska too. That they, they shot down another thing that that I just saw a headline that said was headed towards the Super Bowl. I, I don't know if that's just clickbait or whatever what it is, but it's got to be. You know, but I like, mean, at this, this point, maybe it's crazy. not. But yeah. But how many of these things are there? Like, if if we're shooting, I, I've, I saw videos on YouTube saying that we've shot down UFOs and the government's hiding the bodies of the aliens. <laughs> I mean, they shot down that one thing in broad daylight. <laughs> so <I> mean, <laughs> they do a very good fucking job hiding that. I just, I don't know. This is we're getting this conspiracy style is getting a little crazy. But who knows what's the what the real truth? It's is. real good know. for your mental health. Too, it is. Like, yeah, I feel listen, great right now. I've been down this road before. Let's. Can we talk about movies? <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, what have you guys been up to this week? Oh, I'll field this question first. Hogwarts Legacy came out. Yeah, yeah, it is. fucking right, it did. Yeah, dude, it's it's 
pretty fucking something badass. else, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you get it too. I, I have it. I haven't played it yet though. Been busy with other things, other games, and it is, you know, family stuff. But it is very involved. Mm-hmm. It is very like you can do. I mean, it's as open world as you can get, and mm-hmm. it's got a decent combat system, which is kind of crazy yeah. to think about. So. My favorite thing that has come from Hogwarts Legacy are all the memes, mm-hmm. specifically all the all the uh, what what's his name. Voldemort, uh, like the like, abracadabra memes and shit, mm-hmm. like like you know abracadabra, yeah, yeah that, whatever it is. Uh, I'm not I'm not a big Harry Potter guy, but like I, every one of those, I chuckle because it's like you know what I could be doing in in Hogwarts Legacy, and it's like you know sorting this or doing this or going to class, and it's just a picture of Voldemort's face, and I know what it means. It's perfect, just killing people. <laughs> yep, that's great. That's great. Uh, I'm 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 hearing great things about that one. Uh, I'm gonna dive into that one a little later, but. I am hearing great things and people are really enjoying it. So it's good. Yeah, story's um, fairly deep. It's got like if you just did straight story, it's still twenty five hours. It's like sixty five hours if you do the side quest, which I mean that's geez. a respectable number. That's a big game. Yeah, it's a yep. respectable number. Yep. So well, I mean, it's kind of weird. This... I find myself just wandering around the castle sometimes because there is so much shit in there. Dude. Yeah. That's so good. So I'm much. I'm glad that, you know, I, I, I like uh, I, I like a good healthy community for video games, especially if like, I'm going to play it. I like yeah, to know because the community behind that's been real healthy. Yeah, <laughs> we I mean, won't talk about that at all. But yeah, <laughs> so I mean, like, so it, well, I'll I'll make one point on that, and only on the on the word community. The community, I think, has been fine about it. It's people that don't agree with the community is is you know where Fair that enough. that discourse well, no, is. Sure. By, by that, I meant by that, I meant people are buying games and you know they're playing them. That's that's all I meant. I mean. I don't want to get into political discussion on this one, but I, I just meant people are buying it, playing it, enjoying it. That's always a good thing. Yep. I'm really excited though. It's on PC, so I'm sure the mod scene should be incredible. Oh man, for this. yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for all the all the different things that that like the fans are going to add to that game. Yep. It's going to be good. Um, you know, one thing I did check out this week. It's on Hulu. Actually, we're going to be talking about some movies on Hulu coming up in a little bit. But I did watch. Um, actually, I fell asleep last night. I, I need to finish it. Uh, I fell asleep last night too. Maybe about the first hour of. Me also. Um, <laughs> great, thanks, guys. It's the it's the f- oh uh, the unofficial story oh the unofficial documentary of Saved by the Bell, and by unofficial it's because Dustin Diamond was the only one that like approved it. The other ones didn't want to have anything to do with it. So it 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 isn't he um, dead? He he is he he has passed. Yes. Uh, but it, this was in 2020. I don't know how I didn't see it until now. I love Saved by the Bell, but it's it's a story late 80s, early 90s about the the the, the young people and how they how this show grew, of how it was based on a show called. Well, it was originally a show called you know, uh, I think Good Morning Miss Bliss, based around the teachers, and then they they realized that people only cared about the kids, so they kind of they they brought it back and retooled it, and it's really interesting to see how some of these elements fell into place to. You know, form one of the most iconic shows of the '90s, hmm. uh, say Saved by the Bell. But I didn't know a lot of the a lot of the trivia in there that they're throwing at me, and it's I think it's really interesting. I mean, do you guys watch anything besides uh, what we did for the show? Uh, I watched one of my favorite movies again yesterday, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Ooh, oh, that's a good I movie. Fucking love that movie. That's fantastic. And movie. it finally got remastered into 4K because oh yes, yeah. all right, yes. Where'd you watch it at? Uh, well, actually, I caught it in um, HBO. It's on HBO right now. Okay. So yeah. I was like, perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, I, I was a happy boy watching okay. Tom Cruise learn how to pirate, uh, pilot a little robot mech suit. <laughs> I don't think Lacey's seen that one. So Dude, the, listen, that, the, that's a solid It's a flick. good movie. It yeah. is. It's a good sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. and it's got a good cast in it, and, and it works, man. It just works. I yeah. love that movie. 
It's one of my favorites. Yep. Well, that's a that's a. I mean, Emily Blunt. I think more than Tom Cruise makes that movie what it is. Uh, even Bill, even even uh, Bill Paxton, in a weird way, yep. really really does a lot to make that movie kind of a distinct standout. I mean, let alone the directing style. Um, but that movie's special. It always has been special, and I'm glad you championed that because that's a we're getting a sequel to that, aren't we? Uh, well, so they talked about it about a year ago, and mm-hmm. nothing's really come through, but. They were so. I mean, Tom Cruise and Doug Liman still work together. D- Doug Liman is the director, but I mean, they have some a small franchise, you know, called Mission Impossible. Oh, that yeah. They, they yeah. work on it. Maybe you've heard of it. So they've made a couple of. Small Are they still movies. trying to get that off the ground? Yeah, yeah trying okay. to really yeah. ramp that up. So, <laughs> look, it's just still looking for funding for it. Yeah, 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 yeah to yeah. get some funding <laughs> kick in. And I heard they have. I heard out. they have have like a six movie like storyboard planned out. I heard it was yeah. like eight. Yeah. Oh man, jeez. <laughs> Big ambition, big ambition indeed. What's that? That oh. this summer, Dead Reckoning Part One dead, or whatever. Part One right, is in. I, I think those movies are line. great. By the, the, yeah. the later ones, yeah, great, yeah. By the way, actually, I think they're all great except for I. Two I will, and three aren't so great. Well, see, I will argue two only because you know John Woo has a has a very just. I mean, John Woo was Michael Bay before Michael Bay was Michael Bay. You know, just action, 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 action. But some of those scenes were just so cool, man. Like, I mean, some of those scenes in Mission Impossible 2 were just so awesome. But the whole, you know, the like, especially like the ripping off of the mask, like everyone kept ripping off the True. mask and it wasn't the same person. There's <laughs> so many masks. There's so many. And that scene when I love the scene. Actually, I, I think it's as iconic a 90s action film scene as, as any of them is the um when they're. When Thandie Newton, they're in the lab, and he's trying to get her out, and he has to sky jump to get away to go back and get her. You know, very Last of the Mohicans-esque way to do it. But I think that scene is beautiful. Like, I mean, there's so many stuntmen that just had a great time on it, I'm sure. And the music is great, and it's, he's, you know, he gives the whole Natty Bumpo, Hawkeye speed, you stay alive and I'll come find you type deal. But it's it's great. It's just that scene always has stuck out to me. And it's in Mission Impossible too, so I can't write it off completely. Now, I will give you three Three might be the although three includes Julia, isn't that? I, I forget. Is that his wife's name, Julia? Something like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can't write that one off completely either. They're 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 all canon. Well, two I think might not be canon, as far as like story of you know Ethan's yeah. trajectory towards what he is. But I still like them all. They all have their own you know the the reasons I like them. But I'm very happy that they are they have been engineered to what they have become because I think the story is great. You know, the stakes are always there. I'm very excited for Dead Reckoning, that's for sure. Absolutely. Sorry to mean to take over that discussion, but... No, that's fine, man. Let's, I'll talk about Mission Impossible and that <laughs> shit all day. Like, I, I really do enjoy those movies. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so. Chris McQuarrie, and that's the same guy who... Um, Chris McQuarrie did the last two Mission Impossibles. I think he did. They're directed. Lyman might be producing, but I think Chris McQuarrie made them. And uh, he also did Top Gun Maverick, which, you know, is a fan favorite on, on the show, so... Um, yeah, we love Chris, the, the combination of Christopher McQuarrie and uh, Tom Cruise on this show. At least, at least I do. I definitely do. Um, yes. But yeah, so good. What about you, Chris? And any, anything other than what we've watched for the show? Uh, yeah, actually, I watched uh, Minion Rise, Minions Rise of Gru like three times or the last <laughs> week because my my uh, my about to be five year old rediscovered it. And so she's things, having, things are going good. Yeah, then? she's been having a blast with it. So <laughs> and and now that I've seen it a few times, I'm I'm versed in the film a little bit more and almost an expert at this point the movie 
to its credit, it doesn't stop. It's it, it, everything happens very fast in that movie. Sure. So you know that that is one of the good things about it because there's no time where that movie is like slowed down or lulled, and it it's been fun watching her enjoy it because. You know, she she's at the point now where she like wants to like react scenes and things like that, and she's a very good memory. So like she'll tell us what we have to say next because she knows exactly what's going to happen next in like whatever scene she's picked out. So it's it's neat, and the movie you know it, it's growing on me because of that. But an okay film, but made better by like you know my kids watching it. So it, it's it's been pretty good. That's cool. I'm yeah, glad you like it. Like I think that movies like those movies it's, are fun. Yeah, it's fine. Yep, all of those mm-hmm. Despicable Me grew movies are all pretty decent. So. That's not like a yeah. bad one. If you're going to have a movie on repeat, the, mm. any of the Gru movies really, or any of the Despicable, they're really not a bad option to have if your kids love it. Like, those aren't terrible. True. You know, some True. of them are better than others, but it, they're they're fun and they're they're kind of inventive and, and, and clever more than we anything also, else. We also rewatched How to Train Your Dragon yeah, as well. Yeah, so we, we rewatched that when I was early in the week. That was like, I think, Monday of, you know, last week that we watched it and... I don't want that one on repeat. Well, actually, one would be fine. It'd be two that I have a hard time at being on repeat because it's so damn sad at some points. It's like, I don't need to see that on ad, ad nauseum, well, so I'm one, good with Gru. One is a little... I think one's a little mature for a five-year-old. Even even your older daughter, I think one is a little mature for them to understand really what's at stake, what's going on, with, especially with Toothless and Hiccup and mm-hmm. kind of some of those themes, but they're great movies nonetheless. I What about, Rod, do you think I'm being a little too, you know... They're for everybody. Always. I, I I think they're a little difficult for a young, a very young child to really get. Now listen, let her watch two and have a process when dad dies. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Spoilers. Uh, that's what I mean. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> and it just happens like so immediate. There's no, there's no like last dying breath or anything. It's just done. Happens and yeah, that's that's a pretty tragic. Well, all right, gentlemen, uh, we should do a show. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we, yeah, we we can do that. I'm here for Let's, it. Wait, have you been recording this? Holy crap. Yes, the, the, the whole time. Recording it the oh. whole time. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, this is episode 317 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema. was posted each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office current and upcoming releases. What streaming trailers and movies of the week? Without further ado, let's jump into the box office. And you guys will both be happy to know Magic Mike's Last Dance took the number one spot this weekend. 8.2 million domestic, making its worldwide kind of a disappointing 18.6. That's it? I think it'll... Number, I think Number that's one kind of, at the box office, though. I think that's one that, that might on. have a steady. I think it might have a steady income over the next few weeks. Not much different than eight point. It might fall a little bit, but I don't think it's going to fall much. Uh, climbing back in the number second spot again, Avatar: The Way of Water, six point nine, nice million domestic, worldwide, two point two one three. It's still climbing, gentlemen. It is still going up, man. That's yeah, but it's six mil a week. It's got a mighty hill to yeah climb. Oh yeah, but I mean it's it's over the two billion mark, which you know a handful of movies in history. Oh no, no, it's it's done fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Movie Titanic, okay. Titanic, the the re release, um, coincidentally coming in at number three, six point four million domestic. Shit, a, it almost beat Avatar. <laughs> it, 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 bringing a worldwide to twenty two point three. James Cameron really does not want to give up those top spots. That's for. I can't believe people still go to sure. like go to theaters and pay to see that film. Like, 
I don't get it. Well, is it oh, remastered what? and is it in 3D this time? It, it's not in 3D, but it, it's a 25 year anniversary. Um, oh, okay. But wait, hold on, hold on, Chris. But like, if you either for some reason missed it in the late 90s or just weren't around and you want to see what all the hubbub is about, I mean, wouldn't you choose to watch it on the big screen as opposed to whatever tiny TV you have at your house? Yeah, but that's you say tiny. People don't have sixty-eight inch televisions at this yeah, point. But, but like, how, how big is a seventy-five? Okay, well, okay. <laughs> Roger, you, Roger, you, you would know better than anyone else. How big were those the presence of greatness? By the way, apparently. Well, how, oh, no, how here's much? The thing the next one has to be bigger than yeah, that. Yeah, Think exactly about that. Right. Well, hold on. How how big are those screens at Marquee Rod? Do you remember the dimensions? Like an average. Oh, maybe they don't average. measure them in inches. They measure them in feet. And <laughs> the, the what was it? The smallest one is. What thirty-one feet corner to corner? That's what I'm Whatever saying. That. Like even yeah, but unless you're a psycho that sits in the front middle seat, you don't actually experience it at that size. No, it's relative to your position from the screen. You know it, what it I mean? is. Uh, it however, is. I, I do understand what Grayson's means. Oh, yeah, here's the Titanic is a serviceable movie. Yeah, like there's right. a reason it made a shitload of money. Well, yeah, I understand didn't, didn't it win like eleven Oscars too? It won. It won a few. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> a couple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not fair but like, them. I guess my point is, is like, I have no desire to ever go see Titanic in theaters. Like zero. I, I watched it in theaters and the first time. I've never seen it in theaters. I've seen it like twice. Once, you know, once on VHS, and then nice. once again, once again on DVD. Was it on two VHS tapes? It was on two VHS <laughs> that's, tapes. That's it has that thought, big thick yeah. box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I've already seen it. I have no desire to go back and see that. Pay to see this film again. You know, but I, I'm probably I may be in the minority. I mean, six point four million dollars worth of people wanted to go see it, I guess. But it just, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand the appeal. But you know, I, I'm not always right. It's you know, a rarity, but still. Nah. I mean, well, I, I just don't see. I was driving a whole lot of traffic to the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. Yep. That's one that I am going to want check out this week. Uh, I know there's some people from the office that are wanting to go, so I will go as part of a part of a caravan from the office. But you know, I'm a huge James Cameron, and I love that. I mean, that movie was. I'm, I, you know, whatever you want to say about this story, but my buddy and I, John Matthew, uh, we saw that and we were both weeping at the end of that movie the first time at the theater. And we were with two girls who were not weeping. So oh, that no. was bad. Yeah, that I'm was sure bad. Were. Um, <laughs> but that didn't go over well for us. But uh, yeah, that was a, that's a shared experience that we some whenever we meet up for whenever shared we're both experience. home and we both uh, get a beer and we remember and talk and laugh at. Um, yeah, so. But I don't think you can, if you don't remember how big Titanic was, how, I mean, that, that My Heart Will Go On was on the radio, like, for, like, nine months. After that movie oh, yeah. left the theater, it was still, like, played, like, I mean, 75 times a day. that song still gets memed for, like, <laughs> <laughs> for but it was sports huge. things now. But it was huge. Yeah, no, it was a big deal. It was a big deal before, you know, every movie was a big deal. I mean, listen, you get a song with a hook, man, and it hangs it. it, it it'll propel stuff. I like, still hear Let It Go on the radio every now that's and That's right, yeah. I was yep. thinking about that. That's a hell of a... But anyway, so let's... And I, I, I do, you know, maybe want to have a very short spirited discussion in one of these episodes about... So AMC just announced that they're going to do different... Since you brought up the seats, Chris, of sitting up front, there's yeah. different... There's going to be different pricing for different seats in the auditorium. This is not well, going to go over. This is not going to go Hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's quell that for one second. Because, listen, it's rolling out in, like, four markets. Mm -hmm. And nowhere where their seats already weren't more expensive than everywhere else anyway. I don't think this is a big deal. I just don't. See, see, th this could be a heated debate because... 
I can't believe that I'm hearing you say these things. Well, look, so here's the reason I say it, right? Yeah. Is because the markets that they're testing it out in right now, okay, those are already places where you already have to have reserve seating. Okay. Okay. Like, it's not like you walk in and be like, I choose this row. And they're like, well, that'll be an extra $4. Like, that's not how that works, mm-hmm. right? If you choose that seat and it costs you more money, that is your choice. Yes. Now, I listen, I'm not a fan of it. Like, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. However, I understand why they're doing it. I also think this will be one of the things where they try it out. It never becomes a big thing. And then it just goes away. How you, When you say the words, I understand why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing it? Because they can. Okay, but why? Why are they choosing to do this? Be- why in a time when you want more po- people to come to your movie theaters, are you oh, going oh, to choose to, to create something that could alienate? people okay I, I i get what you're saying but i will counter and i hate doing a question with a question yeah i get you, I get you. who what do you who do you think wants more people in a movie theater amc wrong they want more money okay. from the movie theater okay if that equates to less people and more ticket prices that's the same to them there's no way that this doesn't break even for them or worse and I, it, it's almost like they're admitting that they're admitting defeat on the fact that, that they're that they're eventually going to die out, and they're just trying to get as much money as they can of people that will continue to go until they die out. Sure. Instead of trying to to bring people in, this does nothing positive for the chain to keep it alive. This is only things positive to make money in the immediacy. That's right. And you say like it's only in four markets, blah blah blah. You know exactly how this works. It starts there, and then. It was a big success, and their verbiage of "we're doing this to enhance the movie-going experience for our enthusiasts," which you know is a bull. I do absolutely. I know it's all things to just create them more revenue now, so that they can get as much money as they can, and not try to repair or revitalize. You know this thing, like you know that is that is in trouble. It's just a sad thing to see that a company. Instead of taking all of its all of its windfalls it's had in the last five years, all the things that have that it survived, you know, all the shit that it has in the last five years, mm-hmm. despite its own goddamn efforts, to make a decision that you know is gonna that will potentially, but is is likely to bleed into the rest of the market, and it just hurt it in the end. That's what sucks about it. That's what doesn't feel good about it from a consumer standpoint. Someone from the outside looks at this and goes, I've seen this before in other things. This is, you know, it's just going to be downhill from here in a bad way. Well, it already happens in other things. It already happens in event tickets. I've already heard. It, it's a but, whole, but here's the thing. That's it, a different thing. I don't think it is. It's not. It's no different. Okay. Let's take a Broadway show for mm-hmm. a second. Okay. Which is straight up very similar to going to a movie. If you sit in the front or the middle or the back. Those tickets are different prices. Okay. Why does it have to be different in a movie theater? Because, because that experience is is highly dependent on where you're sitting. Whereas in a movie theater, let's be honest, when you're in the middle or you're on the side, there's slight differences, but you're still but you but you still get to experience it in that way. Whereas when you ha- go to a the big the big argument I've seen is concert like concert mm-hmm. tickets and things sure. like that. Listen, when you sit in the goddamn nosebleeds, there's a huge difference than when you're right in front of your favorite artist or performer Absolutely. live in person. Whereas in a movie, you're supposed to have a collective experience. It's not so no media. Yeah, no, this, I, I don't. That that is to me that is if you say media and collective experience, mm-hmm. that is you you're you're wasting out the entire concert and play experience because that's the same thing. It is not because here's the How thing. How is it not? Because when you experience something like 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 a movie, 
whether it's on a big screen or in your house, there's no difference. But now you're saying that when you're in the movie theater, you don't get to experience the same way as this person a little bit away from you because you don't because you're not going to pay more money. But, but when it goes home, everyone sees it the same way. When you have a live concert, uh, like like a recording or a reproduction of a live concert, mm-hmm. everyone experiences that the same way when it's at home. But you're not experiencing it the same way when you're there in the concert venue because of the like what the interaction between you and the actual performance is. Whereas in the movie, it's supposed to be the same for everybody because everybody has a collective experience. Not the same way with like a concert. See, I can't buy the collective experience thing. All right, and, and my counterpoint to that would be if you go to a concert and you watch it no matter where you're at mm-hmm. and you go home and you listen to that thing on a CD, it does not sound the same. They are not the same experience. Okay. You do not get that. If you watch a movie on a big screen or a movie theater, those are not the same experience. It is not a collective. It is not a collective thing. Because if you're the asshole that goes right now and sits in the front of a fucking movie theater, mm-hmm. you do not get the same experience as anybody else in that movie theater. For some reason, you have chosen to make your life worse by doing that. <laughs> but like having those seats there in general washes that whole thing out to me. Because mm-hmm. those are there because people can sit there if they want to. Yeah. Now, when you come to like a concert or a you know a theater play or a sporting event, let's talk sporting event for a second. Mm-hmm. Same concept exists in a sporting event, except generally those are around the entire playing field. Yeah. Okay. So the seats are up front, cost more. Those aren't even necessarily the better viewing angle. Like that's not how that works. Well, it's all I, it, it's I, it's can all. Can I chime in when yeah, you're yeah, good, good. Well, I just I I think I agree, Roger. I think. I think I agree with Chris. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why. I think okay. you're. Yeah. I think you're. Um, your the reasoning is sound. Although, when you're watching a movie as opposed to a live performance, it does matter. Like sitting up front during a movie sucks. Sitting up front for live performance probably going to be a little better of an experience because you're right there and you're hearing it because it's where the sound is coming from. Like the origin of the sound. You might have speakers, but the origin of the sound is right in front of you. Um, with a movie, it's a little different because it's made to be the, the the sound is made to hit the center of the auditorium, the the best. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Well, just I don't think anyone's going to argue where the best seats in any auditorium for any movie are going to be. You know, dead mm-hmm. center in the absolute center row. You know, those are the best seats in the house. The sound, the sound is optimized for those. You know, fifteen or twenty seats. Period. Um, I, I kind of, I'm going to say I don't. I've always wondered why there are seats so close to the auditorium only because I think they're only there because it's a lot of wasted space if not. And if you can sell them on some sellout shows and make money on them yeah. two or three yeah. times a year in that auditorium, You're right. do it. But otherwise, there's just a bunch of wasted space up by the screen. You just won't put any – like you can't put any – it's not like you put a hot dog stand there or a concession stand. You just, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's just, it's just wasted space. So why not put some seats? But like you're right though. If – if anyone's sitting down there, it's likely because they have no other option, and the and the movie is just packed. Yep. So no one's gonna sit. I mean, the kids might sit down there voluntarily just to like experience it with their friends, and you know for whatever reason. But I don't really see an adult ever sitting down there unless there's a special circumstance. I don't see that choice being made. So I, I just I, here's the thing. Also, is all these articles that I read about that on AMC is. They never say how much of a price difference. If it's a twenty-five cent price difference, who cares? But if we're you know, talking, it be that. But it, but let's just say, how much is a, a prime ticket in Pittsburgh? Well, what, fifteen, twenty bucks? Sure, anywhere so anywhere between twelve and fifteen bucks. I think it's a probably the safe bet. If it's fifteen bucks to sit in the optimal seat to watch the movie, 
or it's seven bucks to sit up front. I think a lot of people are going to choose the front section, the back of the front section, hands down, every mm-hmm. single time. You well, think they're gonna, you think they're going to make tickets cheaper? No, I I, I well, don't. So I mean, that's I the counter. Well, hold on, hold on. That's yeah. the counterpoint. That's yeah. part of that. They said if you choose some of those suboptimal seats, they would be a lower price. Like that is part of that. Yeah, that's well, that, that's like raising your prices before you give a thirty percent well, off. Sale. Okay, well, let, I will say one last thing on it. We can move on because. Yeah. Obviously, we don't. Interesting. I didn't expect us to agree on this. Yeah, right? yeah, that's, that's right. The thing is, is people at a lot of movie theater chains, especially AMC, which is the biggest one in the country, you already pay more for premium seats that are reserved. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is already a thing, and that's the thing at every movie theater chain that does reserve seating across the company or country. Right? We'll agree on that. Is that, is that yeah, a fair yeah. statement? Yeah. No, I don't. Hold on. I'm in Atlanta. That's 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 not the case. For reserve seating, it doesn't cost more. No, no, no. Because just where you guys are, where we, you know, where we all hail from, the Ohio Valley, mm-hmm. it's just it's not. You just they just don't do that. But well, anywhere that has yeah, yeah. reserve seating, it costs more to get one of the reserve well, seats. But what do you mean by reserve? Because I if, if if I buy a ticket for if I buy the middle of the auditorium ticket for a, for a show Friday night on Monday morning, it costs me no more money on the app. It's just whoever claims it first gets it. So I think we're getting confused between claiming it first and actual reserve seating. Because I know what you're talking about. You're talking about reserve like the premium like primo reserved seating in like primo theaters in primo yeah. cities. Okay, so that's right. But most people will will never experience that ever. Sure, well. Okay. So, but sure, I don't know. Fine. Most people don't fucking go to the opera ever. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but Fair. like, so, yeah, listen, I, I don't think it's a good thing. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, I understand why they're doing it. And, like, look, I if you, if you think this is a new concept, like, this shit has been building for years. And it's, I will say one thing for COVID, it probably delayed it. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Because if we had kept on without missing two years, basically, of regular theater, you think we wouldn't have talked about this at the middle of 2021? I don't know. Okay. No, you're but, you're right. You're right. The other thing is too, we there are already theater chains that you pay more for IMAX, you pay more for 3D, you pay more for a um a Dolby theater. Mm-hmm. People already do that stuff. Yeah. yeah that's and they okay. don't even flash anything about it. I, I guess my my last point on it would be that that there's never been a time though where yeah, you could pay for a better movie experience. You know, as like, you know, a whole, there's never been a time where when I go into a movie, you know, that I could be in the same auditorium as another guy and that guy get a better experience than I do because he had more money. My, my last point is, what does this say to people that, you know, for like, you know, a family of four or or a young kid who really loves going to the movies? It's like, you know, he's like a mini Grayson Maxwell. You know what I mean? Like, that's his life. That's his passion. That's his thing. And his parents can't afford the good tickets. You know what I mean? Like. You know, he like he, he he pays for his own tickets from, you know, what like mowing lawns and he's not going to be able to afford to see the movies, you know, in a way he used to yesterday. And it just, you know, I think that that whole concept is kind of shitty in a world where this isn't a necessary change. No, you're right. It's just a change. The 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 one thing and listen, I want as many people to watch as many movies as possible. However, I do not think that the corporations care. Oh, no. I mean, because look. We know they don't. They don't. Yeah. And that's as blunt as it can be. They do not care. The only thing that, like I said, that's why it's not a national rollout, though. Mm -hmm. Because 
you have to take, you know, they have to understand that there's blowback to this. And they know because oh, yeah. if they, if they didn't know that that was going to be a thing, it'd be every theater. You've always got to you boil the frog slowly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you just take it up. We'll see where it goes. And listen, I honestly don't think that this will stick. I just don't think that that'll be a thing. However, yeah. if it does, we can't stop it anyway. Oh, yeah. The only thing you can do is not go to the movies. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way to protest it. Yeah. And again, though, if that's the case, it falls down and they make as much money as they did because they raised ticket prices at a section. They lose nothing. Like it's a zero sum game for them. <laughs> Well, I will. Okay, so we we should probably move on from this. But one thing I do, Chris, again, I agree with you. Is it's telling that they're they're realizing that at least whoever the CEOs of these of the move theater chains that are still large enough to be in existence and still in the conversation are realizing that that the end is near, and maybe they are trying to capitalize. And it sucks from someone like that. That's the first thing I thought of when I read that story. Is mm-hmm. ah, fart, man. Now they're trying to they're trying to milk every last dollar before the end. That's what that's the first thing I thought of. And it sucks, just, man. One other thing, too, to remember, too, is and I know it's a weird thing to mention, but it costs more to go to the movies at night yeah. than it does during the day. Well, yeah. Why? Well, it, it, it's primo time. And there's. <laughs> oh, more- hold on. You pay for primo time. You won't you pay for a primo seat. Well, mm-hmm. that's the difference, though. Well, OK. OK. okay. Hold on. You make, you make a very good point. It, it's not different to them. But again, it, it goes back to the everyone in that theater is getting the same dollar to experience as the guy next to him. You know what I mean? What if I went to that same theater, sat in that same seat four hours later, I pay more money to but have that everybody same else. Experience. Everybody else in there with you had that same paid experience at the same value. But it, it's it, well, it's like we said, we're, we're a little long on this, but it's just it's just one of those things where I just you know it, it's I just feel like it's a sad decision to make because it's. You know, someone looked at looked at a whole chart, and I think we get this because of COVID. Not not it was delayed because of COVID. I think COVID is what is what caused this decision. I think the money lost, the time lost, you know, is what weighed heavily in this. It wasn't the fact that you know, you know, this wasn't planned. I think someone looked at the books and said, "Okay, we've lost enough money. We got to scrape in everything we can in X amount of time." So that's the part that sucks about it. Well, because it's, yeah, to, no, to survive right. that and then do something like this, it's like. It, it's just it's baffling because like you've already made it to the worst, you know, and then it just feels like you're going to shoot, shoot yourself in the foot. I don't know. It just it's a hard it's a hard thing to swallow. Yeah, after well, all, you're that right. Crap. COVID COVID changed a lot. It reevaluated most companies reevaluate mm-hmm. the way to do it. If you look at most movie theaters, <laughs> I laugh because when I when I was a teenager working on a Sunday afternoon when, you know, I remember the big movie being Blue Crush. You remember the surfing movie with um. Uh, Kate Bosworth and Michelle Rodriguez like we had like five people in concession we had like five ushers on do you have any idea how much wasted payroll that is on a Sunday afternoon I'm laughing because that is you could we could have operated with one the concession and one usher and we had five of each so like I'm just COVID made companies really reevaluate like wait a minute what are we doing with all these wasted hours my god but you're right I mean it's I think it's it's in, indicative that they know that if they don't change, that if they don't do something, the end is near. And that's maybe not that drastic, but it shows me that they're making changes way too late. And there's something else that just happened in the movie world too. What other not the not the seating change, but one other there's oh movie passes back, which I want to dedicate time on on another episode for that. But that's if you if you haven't checked in like the pricing of that, 
you should look at the pricing. I'm talking to you, listener, because it's it's actually quite comical how they break it down. You should because we did, and yeah. we had a we had a long discussion about what the fuck does this even mean. <laughs> yeah. like, it, they, they do this weird. It's this very weird credit. It's like system, a weird crediting system, which yeah. you can see a ton of movies during the day during the week, during the day, or like a few movies on weekend nights. That doesn't doesn't make it like either give people movies they can watch or like a certain amount for a certain dollar amount and you give them, you can watch this number of movies or don't. Don't make it complicated. Why are you making this shit complicated? People already have, well, people already have a sour taste in their mouth from movie pass to begin with. You want to make it more Mm. sour? You know, I mean, I believe they still owe me fucking money from last time. So (laughs) let's just throw that out there. (laughs) All right. We got to move on, but it's, there's some interesting things happening in the movie world. If you're a a, a consonant of attendee that, these things matter to you. It just, it's, it's, it's all, it's all interesting. All right. Number, number four, 80 for Brady, $6 million domestic bringing in a worldwide want, want 24.9. Let's just call it 25. That's where that movie will stop. Knock at the cabin. One we're going to discuss on this episode, 5.5 million domestic worldwide of 36.7. That's not great. That's, I remember when M night movies were making like a hundred plus on two or three. Almost weekends. doubled his budget already, though. Yeah, I was gonna say I was about to look at the budget. It's twenty. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's not bad. Not <laughs> bad at all. Um, okay, so what's there is the box office. Not a whole lot of shake up there. And you know, this week belongs, I guess, to James Cameron and, and Avatar and Titanic. But uh, the weeks to come, we got some big stuff coming. So the shakeup will be anyone's game, really. Titanic. Also, Titanic. the box office belongs to Magical Michael. Magical Michael, yeah. Magical Michael. I don't like. I don't, I, I don't like you said I don't it like that, that way. At all. I don't like that no. at all. No, please right. stop doing that, sir. <laughs> this past week, Friday the tenth, brought us Magic Mike's Last Dance, Titanic remastered in 4K and 3D. So there's your answer, Roger. Sorry, I should have looked at 4K this. 4K and 3D, perfect. Oh, Just God. like I asked a few minutes ago. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, right. And God. February fourteenth. Nothing says Valentine's Day like a film noir murder mystery with Liam Neeson. And I no, no, no. That. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I misread that. What about love? Now Marlowe is on Wednesday, the day after Valentine's Day, and oh. then Friday is Ant Man the Wasp, Quantumania, which will effectively squash to zero dollars. Everything. What about love and Marlowe? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think Titanic is gonna because that's like the prime audience for Titanic too. Is that age group? Yeah. Um, and then the 24th, a movie that I'm getting more and more excited for is Cocaine Bear. Because, damn it, yes. I, that movie's going to be off the rails. Uh, Jesus Revolution Mummies also on March 3rd, another big. Oh, boy. It's not just Creed 3. There's a movie called Blueback, which I don't have any idea what this is. It is. That sounds like a weird porno. Yeah, thing. right. For an, yeah. For an That's Australian... Avatar Way of the Waters porno. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Dive into a final U.S. trailer for Australian. Fresh fish friend film blueback. I uh, it's got a, I'm still I'm looking at the picture. It's it's got one of those you know best winner at Sundance. Mia Wasikowski. Oh, Rada Mitchell, Eric Bana. How do we not hear about this until now? That's a decent cast. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. All right, and well, it, but Creed three will eat its lunch. I have no doubt. Yep. March tenth, sixty five. Champions Scream six. March seventeenth. Oh, I talk about. Uh... 65 for just a second yeah of course so the runtime came out for 65 Mm -hmm. it's 87 minutes long thank god that's it (laughs) good is that including that's that's a very short that's without trailers good of course but yeah that's a whole movie wrapped under two hours with 20 minutes 25 minutes of trailers good bro (laughs) (laughs) oh man 
Um, no, that the twenty five minutes does not that does not include the eighty five minutes. No, it does. No, but it's oh, a whole okay. movie running under two hours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In March seventeenth, Inside and Shazam: Fury of the Gods. March twenty fourth, another big week. John Wick Chapter Four. Uh, some of our Shazam was going to be a big week. Well, it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be John Wick big, only because like so much DC news lately. John Wick is rated R, though. It so. is. It, it is. I just. I don't know. I, the of the two of them, I'm more excited for John Wick. What's the Did announcement? You see the, the the interview or announcement of the new DCU. Oh yeah, that's that, uh, the, the the whole James Gunn thing. They're starting yeah. it in 2025. Is the first movie in the new DCEU. Everything yeah, else before that is gone. Yeah, he, he he did a whole interview and explaining like what the roadmap is and stuff. It's it's uh it's interesting. It's interesting. People are not happy with it, but to, I mean, Ooh. look, I'm not happy because he's scraping what I think is in the top three comic book movies ever made is Wonder Woman, and that's that's a shame because that movie is stellar. But like, what do you do at this point? You, the second one sucked. Like, there's no way to course correct that. <clears throat> what did I fucking tell you when they announced Flashpoint? Yeah, well, <laughs> you're right, Rogers. I called this shit two fucking years ago. (laughs) You know know what that reminds me of is I just watched Waterboy this weekend, which I I always forget. That's a great fucking movie. Um, And when the when the when the reporter asks her um, uh, Bobby's girlfriend what the score, she's like, "It's going to be twenty to twenty to 17. And he's like, "Well, that's a good guess." She's like, "It ain't no guess." That's what it's going to be. And then when he sees this, like, there's one second, there's like their last play, and he's. He sees the scoreboard as all they need is a few points. And it's going to be 20 to 17. And he looks back at her and looks at the camera like, what the hell? <laughs> Hilarious. But yes, good for you, Roger. You did guess that. I, I will say you've been calling that for. I didn't two- think they'd nuke their whole universe, but hey, <laughs> I'm yeah. still right. Yeah, they're, they're pulling the reset switch, but at the same are, time, man. getting rid of the only Superman that's ever been. But it's fine. It's the only good Superman. Yep. All right. Uh, March 31st, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves and Spinning Gold. And. April starts off with air and on a wing and a prayer on the fifth and the seventh, which is a Friday is paint the Pope's exorcist and get out of its way. It's going to crush everything. Super Mario brothers movie. So there oh, is yeah. your lineup. We're not too far away from any of that. That makes me super happy by the yep. way. I'm so excited for that Mario movie. I am excited for those. And and after seeing the trailer, I'm really excited for paint. I, I just, I, it just, it looks weird and silly but it looks like our kind of weird and silly so mm-hmm. well, let's, let's go and let's that. talk about that well the trailers I mean, let's do what's streaming first as is tradition I, 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 let's talk about what's streaming hulu and uh one movie hulu's got a lot of good stuff on it man i was scrolling at this uh this weekend watching some stuff it's got so much good stuff on it right now check that out but among them uh a movie that i like to champion a lot i think it's one of ryan reynolds best uh, safe house by director Daniel Espinosa, Denzel Washington, Ryan Reynolds, Robert Patrick, Vera Farmiga, Brendan Gleeson, Sam Shepard. That's 2012. That's a very, uh, it's a very good movie. I think it's one of Ryan Reynolds' best. I think it's good for Denzel. Uh, it's about two men. Uh, one is a detainee. One's a safe housekeeper. Ryan Reynolds, a safe housekeeper, and when his safe house is chosen to detain Denzel's character Tobin Frost until he can be taken to a U.S. consulate. Um, his safe house is hit. The um, the 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 U.S. The, the the SEAL team is killed, and he's on the run uh, with trying to escape, capture himself, and keep um, Tobin Frost in line. Uh, it's a, I think it's a very it's a very good movie. And Ryan Reynolds was right for the part. I think Denzel was right for it. I don't know. You boys have. I know Roger, you've seen it. Chris, have you? Yeah. Seen that one? 
I actually saw that in theaters. Yeah, I, I like yeah. that film. Also, Tobin Frost, powerful. Mm-hmm. It is it's quite the opposite of uh, Cade Yeager. I have a hard Wait, time with the with the name Tobin Frost because it reminds me of Deacon Frost, and I don't know. Why do I know that name? What's Deacon Why Frost? Do I know that? It's from Blade. Oh, boy. that's it. <laughs> the first one, Stephen Dorff's character. Yep. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Love, love yeah, that movie. I knew I knew that name. Yep. Why do I know that? Yeah, it, it bugs me whenever I hear his, his name, Frost. Tobin Frost. Because I, I thought that in the theater when I saw that movie. So. Are right, they Roger. related? Huh? No, I don't. Same related. universe. Nope, nope, nope. All right, Dear Roger, God. you chose uh, an Oscar nominee, uh, Hell yes, or High Water. Hell or High Water by director David McKenzie, Chris Pine, Ben Foster, Jeff Bridges, 2016. Tell us why we should revisit that if we have Hulu. Uh, because it's fucking awesome. It's an interesting. I have nothing western. else to say. <laughs> it's a it's 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 a great so, kind of non traditional western though. So yeah, it's a it's it's a western crime. I would say it's like it's like a western cops and robbers kind of movie. Like that's what it is. And you got like old ass Jeff Bridges doing old ass Jeff Bridges things. <laughs> you know, like being the the he's the sheriff that's like just about to retire. And he makes it like the rest of his mission to uh, to get uh, Ben Foster and Chris Pine, Toby and Tanner Howard, another guy named Tobin right there, mm-hmm. two of them back to back. Um, they try to, uh, you know, they're, they're just robbing their way across um, across the area and they end up in a shootout after their bank, you know, their bank forecloses on the ranch and all that stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's a real good story, man. Like, I, I like this movie. Um, it's really well acted and you know, it's, it's rare that I actually pick an Oscar nominee, but I think this movie is so good. Like this is a modern Western movie and it works so well. Chris, have you, what's your experience with Hell or High Water? Uh, so Hell or High Water is one that I haven't seen, but I always have heard good things. So it's, it's something that I wouldn't mind seeing. I, I feel like it's a movie that I'd enjoy. Just, I do have a more limited movie scope than you guys do it sounds good though sounds like something i should i uh, should watch on recommendation most people like i think yeah. you would like that yeah. movie. if you're okay with like a cop movie and like a western movie mm-hmm. like it's it's good i like it I, I agree and it's ben foster who who's in a lot of like curious things but he's always okay in what he's in he's always well better than okay he is a great actor he's consistently a weird good actor <laughs> yes I, I agree 100%. That's a good description of him. He's con- he's consistent, but he's always good, and he's always weird, so I'll give him that. We just saw him in, what was the the Will Smith uh, slave? Emancipation. Emancipation. We just saw him in Emancipation. Fun family film we watched yeah. recently. Family, yeah, Watch fun family movie. All right. Chris, another one of my favorites. You always um you always seem to find my favorites. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, or LXG as it was known for short, by director Stephen Norrington, Sean Connery, Stuart Townsend, Peter Wilson, Jason Fleming, 2003. Tell us about it. I've never known it as LXG until this moment, so that was kind of awkward. But that being said, this is my, besides The Rock, this is my favorite Sean Connery movie. And it's, it, it, to me, I've always felt like this is a... um. What was what is it when you like something but you're but you're embarrassed about it? What's I that word? I think you just described it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, uh, um, oh, guilty pleasure. That's what oh, that is. yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Like, like this always has felt like a guilty pleasure to me because I know it's the movie's not a strong movie like story wise, but it's just it's just a cool film for you know for a kid in his teens growing up watch you know watching movies. It had you know Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. And other, you know, Captain Nemo, other big, you know, names That's right, they have and big stories. Nemo's, like, super yeah, sub. yeah, and like it, all that kind of stuff is cool. It was kind of a mystery that comes together. There's some betrayal. I, I like, I like the film. It's fun, and 
even like the use of Tom Sawyer was kind of cool, bringing him, you know, into kind of learn from Sean Connery's character. It, it it's an action movie. It's a little bit of like like weird fantasy stuff, and it it's one of those films that you know I just grew up watching. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, Grayson loves that movie. He loves I do, and I yeah. I will say it's got one of the. It's got, you know, something that struck me when I was younger, but it's got one of the great movie moments in it that, like, I was, the first time I realized what was going on in the scene, I was like, oh, crap, that's powerful. It's, um, hmm. there's, a, there's a moment where they're right, you know, all the good guys are camped out above the, um, the villain's factory right before they're going to go in and destroy everything. And um, Connery's character, Quartermain, is on watch. I mean, Alan Quartermain is a great, he's in a lot of stories in, um, and in, in like in like literature so he's mm. he's a very rich character if you want to dive into that but um he's he's on watch and he's an old guy he's kind of at the end of his thing he's like he's retired he took this one out of out of um doing a favor for someone else he took this case <clears throat> and he's he hears like he's a seasoned pro he hears something someone creeping around and he, he puts his rifle up and on like we see down the barrel and then we see what's he sees this <clears throat> this old wolf who's kind of a, he's just a, a wolf doing wolf things, hunting and wanting food and just being a wolf. <laughs> but like the, the, the shot or the, the, the scene construction or the shot construction would, would suggest to you that he brings up his rifle, doesn't fire. And the wolf also kind of, he growls and then he, he backs down and just walks away as they both see in each other. They're just two old grizzled warriors probably at the end of their end of their age looking for a place to die with it but but this isn't going to be it because those two kind of people though they don't kill each other that's a, like men like that don't kill other men like that so that was just i was like I, that was one of the great takeaways and of course mm. i think you're right chris that movie's got some weird magic to it that it comes from putting all those fantasy elements together in the same story especially with uh who's the who's the woman who who's the guy who can't see his own picture who is that a dorian gray the, the, yeah dorian gray yeah the picture or the, the portrait of dorian gray he's a great mm-hmm. villain Stuart townsend although you don't know he's a villain until and you know you have skinner you have nemo you have jekyll and hyde mm-hmm. uh it's a well it's a well-produced film it didn't do very well but uh, chris i don't know if you know this but that was supposed to be like one of five really that Aww. sean connery only took that because he thought he was gonna like he's gonna go out with a big series and just go out with a bang but it didn't get it, and it's a shame because those of you who like that movie and watch it and like see the magic in it, there is definitely great cinema magic there. It's just, it's unfortunate that, it's unfortunate that it didn't get it didn't do more, and that's yeah. So so like my fifteen year old self growing up watching that movie, that was the closest thing to like an Avengers film we had back then. Yeah, fair enough. You know, like bring, bringing together like you know icons from comics and other and other like literature. Like just some like really like big cool characters and like put them in a movie together and see how it goes. That was like the closest thing to it that we had. That's a great. That's a that's a good that's a good choice. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do subscribe to Hulu, you have access to Safe House, Hell or High Water, and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That is not a exclusive list. There are many many others, films and series. If you have Hulu, Hulu is I'm... the one subscription service that is not on my chopping block ever because it just seems to always be consistently pretty strong with what it offers. Well, see, I got who. So I subscribed to Spotify for, I think, eleven ninety nine a month. But through Spotify, I get Hulu for a dollar. So that'll that'll be the last one I cut because it's only a dollar. Price wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's got it's got decent content. It's always got you know fair content. So all right, let's talk about some trailers quickly, gentlemen. 
Let's talk about Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Are you guys are as in love with this trailer as I am? Yes. Chris, what about Covenant. you? The, the Jake Gyllenhaal one? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know what that was. What that was called by the end of it? Jeez, I was. I, I love this trailer. I'm down for this movie. I want to see it. Hundred percent. I'm a big fan of military shooters. I'm a big fan of, you know, men. Well. Anyone in the military doing what's right, someone who saved. I'm a big fan of like that kind of heroism in film. I, I just it checks as of right now, it checks all my boxes. I'm not quite sure about the guy Ritchie involvement, um, as he has destroyed another one of my icons, King Arthur. <laughs> but um, we will see how he does with it because um, Roger, as you will attest to, he's had some pretty good ones lately. He had the gentleman. Uh, um, and Wrath of Man. And Wrath of Man, which definitely. How dare well. you! <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's had two, you know, really good movies in that lane. So we'll see how this one does. It's a Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, he's a good actor, one of the best in his age bracket. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a story about a guy who's saved uh, in an ambush by the interpreter on the on the military side, and then the, the to get him to safety, the interpreter kind of sacrifices himself. And then mm-hmm. Joan Hall, honor bound to go in and get him and his family out of there because of what he did for him. So, you know, there's going to be Chris, you know, there's going to be tears of the sun heroism in the end of this. You know, there's going to be a sacrifice. Yeah, they're t- it, it seems like that Jake Joan Hall might not make it out of this one. So it's fine. Or, or they this... kill their way out. <laughs> or that. <laughs> like, this, is a, this is a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. They might kill their way out. All right. That's a very good point, Roger. And like Plane, yes, um, Gerard <laughs> Butler's gonna, you know, he's gonna he killed his way out of that one too. We just saw that one. Not, not that's not Guy Ritchie, but another one of those kill their way out type of deal. All right, let's talk about Strays with <laughs> Will Ferrell, <laughs> Will Ferrell and Jamie Fox as two stray dogs. On uh, and, principle, uh, I cannot be excited about this film. Why? Because you don't like Will Ferrell. Because I don't like Will Ferrell. Listen, On principle, I'm not allowed to be excited about this. You openly laughed during this trailer when we watched it. I saw you do it. I, on principle, I'm not excited about this film. There. That, Off principle, how you feel? It looks. It looks like it could be funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like this is like some weird, like adult version of Homeward Bound from yep. back, you know, back in the day. Perfect. Like, this is hitting a certain demographic super hard. I guarantee it. Well. I get good boy vibes from this, like completely and and absolutely unapologetically just inappropriate at all times. And I love it because I I just showed a clip of good boys to someone uh, at work this who hadn't seen it. And when the, when they're in the frat, Roger, I know you love the frat house scene. That's a great scene. But shoots that guy right in the balls. Well, you the, the the kids are like looking for Molly, and they're being kind of bullheaded about it because they need it to get what they need. But the 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 frat guy's like, he's like, "You're not getting drugs, kid. Get out of here." He and he looks right at the one of the boys and said, "You're gonna suck my dick." And then he looks right at the other one and said, "So are you." And then the other kid, the other kid who he didn't point out, says, "What am I gonna do? Just sit, just sit here." Like, <laughs> just gets me every time. But it strikes me as that kind of inappropriateness. But you know, the whole. The, the the owner of Will Ferrell is throwing a ball and trying to get rid of his dog, but he keeps finding the ball and coming back to him. And I just it's a kind of a clever, you know, spin on someone who might not want a dog. And because we all hear about these dogs get dumped in the wilderness or what have you on on the highway, and mm-hmm. I, it's a shame that happens. But I, this this movie looks hilarious. I will just say it looks right up, at least the three of us. It looks right up our alley. It you know, may minus be the fact that. Mine's the fact it's Will Ferrell for you, Chris. It looks like it's right up our, our alley for what mm-hmm. we like. Should be fine. I'm very excited for it. And let's talk about for one second paint with 
Owen Wilson. Wow. Dude, wow. when she has her, when she's licking the cheese she's off his, his fingers. fingers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I I think it's going to look funny. I think Owen Wilson looks right at home on this one. So um, I think it's going to be hilarious. That's 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 in person. That's a Bob Ross thing, right? I'm not just crazy about that. Yes, it is. I mean, okay. he's definitely got that kind of vibe. Yeah, and he walks, when he walks towards the camera in his weird onesie, and you could just see his his kibbles and bits bouncing around. I don't I don't need that. My liar, life. liar. <laughs> his bean his beans and franks. Yeah, yeah no, de- de- definitely need that. We need more of that. That's oh, I can't wait for this. Perfect. I mean, that's the same day. What what other big? Oh, that's the same day as um ah uh, no another big one Shazam maybe or the next the next week. But it's gonna be cool. oh no that's that's the same day as um Mario. That's what no, it is. Oh, that, Sorry. That thing's going to make no money. Got it. Yeah, it's, it's going to get buried. 100% buried. But it, it is what it is. I mean, look, we're going to. that. Are we even going to watch? Like, I'm going to watch. Are you guys going to watch it? Because it's not going to be on our docket. I mean, I, I probably will because I'm a big Bob Ross guy. Yeah, but. yeah. I get it. I, I probably won't unless we're watching for, you know, for the show. But we'll see. All right. Noted. I know, Roger, you have a Bob Ross uh, Funko Pop. For I do. He's sitting right, sitting right beside me. <laughs> I got to right bring now. my Deadpool one, the Deadpool Bob Ross one. You, you got go. one, nice. Yeah, yeah. Good bring. We'll set them on the. <laughs> I bought a bunch of those. Um, Walmart for a while had um a lot of movies. You you remember that? Do you guys see those where the where the covers were taken like iconic covers, but they put Deadpool in in into them? Do you guys remember those? No. <laughs> but one of them was, I can't. I I think one of them was him standing in front of an easel with that hair on, but it was Deadpool. I, I can't remember, but that's mm-hmm. what all. It, that's the full circle it brought for me. All right, gentlemen, it is time. Now to talk about the movie of the week, the latest installment from M. Night Shyamalan. Let's talk about Knock at the Cabin. But first, and as tradition newly dictates, let's talk about Rotten Tomatoes score 68 and audience score of 65. All right. Roger, what's the uh, what's the Metacritic setting at? Pointer right now. All right. You got it. What we what, what we were thinking? I I I feel like the Medicare is going to be in the fifties or f- very low sixties. Five, fifty six, sixty three. Okay, whoa, all right, okay. so pretty consistent across the board then. All right, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Kristen Cooey, Dave Batista, Rupert Grint, Nikki Amuka Bird, and Abby Quinn, directed by M Night Shyamalan, based on a book by Tra- Paul Treble called The Cabin at the End of the World. Very similar story, but did different. They, they rena- renamed it. So, Roger, what is this one about? The apocalypse. The coming of the apocalypse. The bringing of the apocalypse. Well, I think Chris is probably more accurate, the coming of the apocalypse, because, I mean, it's not, they're not bringing it, they're trying to prevent it. So, mm. yeah. Mm. And if you've seen the trailer, you've already got a pretty good idea of what this movie is. It's not really different. I have uh, a for, already. You have, you, have, you have what? I have a counter to that, to what you just said oh, about oh, the trailers. Please. By, by so all means. I only saw the one trailer that we watched together when the movie was first on the trailer number one, basically, which doesn't really tell you much. If you went into this movie and you didn't see the other trailer, it's a way better ride, I bet, because I'd watched the second trailer after I saw the movie and I was like, well, that gave away everything. The first one doesn't give away anything. The second one, however, like you just said, really does set it up and tell you everything. So if you want to see this film, don't listen to us talk about it. Don't watch any more trailers if you have if you haven't seen you know them yet and then just go see the film because it's actually a better ride when you don't know what's going to happen i bet because this film's while there's no big like you know 
Shyamalan on twist. There's no Shalom belonging. Well, no, but, there is. There is. A, I would argue that there is a twist, and then we'll get into no, that later. But there's yeah. not. But we, we'll, we'll get into that later. But yeah, but like, like I think this movie's a ride if you don't see the trailers for it and check it out first if you haven't seen it yet. I just want to put that out there right away. That way, if people do want to see this film, they don't go watch the trailers. I think it's better. Okay, right. fair. I mean, well, any watching any movie we is probably better without trailers. And in this age, we've gotten a lot better insight to that because you know we don't usually watch trailers for Netflix films or Amazon movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come out so quick when we're deciding what to watch. Yeah. If it's big, so you see like yeah. one trailer of, and then we decide if we're going to watch it or not. Yep. Which is an it's an interesting way to go about it, but I prefer to see trailers. I prefer everything to be released theatrically, but that's just me, and that's a hill that I'm going to die on by myself. So there's that. So okay, let's talk about this. Yeah, yeah. let's let's talk uh, about how we start. So M Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. It is based on a book, and in this book, four strangers come up to a cabin where a family is trying to have a nice family getaway weekend, and they tell this family that unless you through you three choose one of you and then the other two of you kill that person the apocalypse will happen no way to prevent it and every time this every time this this family refuses and says no one of the people one of the four kill themselves and a plague is brought to a plague is brought on to the planet to start ravaging humankind there's not a lot of time to deal with here but in true M Night Shyamalan fashion, there's a lot of mystery, a lot of intrigue, a lot of a lot of weirdness going on. And I want to. There's one move. There's one other movie I want to reference, at least for myself, for M Night. Uh, he he has a pretty vast uh, filmography, but one movie I want to talk about is Devil. And you guys remember Devil? Okay. There's there's several the people elevator. in yeah. in an elevator, and one person in there is killing people, and like they need to figure movie. out who it is before the time before there is no one left in the elevator to to uh, question and detain mm-hmm. you guys watched that did you guys were you guys hung on the edge of that uh, edge of your seat during during that one on mm-hmm. devil yeah mm, i don't remember being been that a minute into it. I've seen devil but i remember enjoying the film i don't know how suspenseful it was for me i really enjoyed it because you're only working with so many things and it's yeah. i think it's fun for an audience member someone's watching the movie for the first time fresh to go in there like, okay, there's only so many elements at play. I want to figure this thing out before the movie tells okay. me what's going on. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the same with knock at the cabin here is, is you, you, there's definitely something, some X factor that you're not given, which I would argue is the twist in this movie is that what I just said is kind of, that is the twist. But, um, Let's 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 get into it. So, Jonathan Groff and I gotta find the other guy's name. I just said it. Jonathan Groff and uh, oh, sorry, Ben Aldridge are mm-hmm. are a couple, and they have an adopted adopted daughter, Gwen, or sorry, Wen, created by Kristen Wayne. Kristen Cooey, and they're trying to have a nice weekend. This this happens, and what do you guys think about the the them trying to the the four strangers trying to get into the cabin when they were locked out and told to go away? How that happened? Well, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Well, I, I, I like the way I like the, I kind of like the way it breaks down. It's it it plays consistently to the characters that we're given, right? Because yep. they don't want to break in, they want to be let in, they don't want it to be forceful, they want it to be as smooth as possible for reasons that you learn as this plays out. So much so they even clean up the glass that they break. Yep. Yeah, they like, try like, to fix the door. Yeah, like it. It kind of it humanizes them, and whether it's you know whether you think it's a ploy, whether you know you think it's you know, they think it's 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 legitimate by them. It's like guilt. 
it's effective in showing you kind of like you know the breakdown of each of these characters like in regards to how like this uh, this event is affecting them because one of the things that's up in the air about this is is what they're telling you know the family in the cabin is it real or is it a like something that they're delusional about or is it or are they just are they being tricked by somebody like that's always a question on your mind for mm-hmm. the majority of the film sure so like this helps you helps to humanize these people to make that more of a more of a question more than a decision you get to make like partway through or something that you're shown like it's it's always something that you're kind of wondering until like you know you get definitive answers as the movie plays out and i and i like that i think it's a good thing well and i would also say one thing about this movie is i think it's fairly straightforward mm-hmm Honestly, like, you know, we we start with, hey, we're here. You have to make a decision. And each time a decision is made or not made, something happens. And, you know, then the timeline gets accelerated and then gets accelerated again. Mm -hmm. And like bad stuff's happening all around. Um, I kind of like that. It's a fairly linear plot point, you know, besides uh, we do a little time jumping, help develop a little bit of backstory, especially towards one character, Redmond, the character Redmond played by old. uh, Ron Weasley himself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I like that. Um, you know why he's in this movie? Huh. They work together on the, that Apple TV show they have called The Servant that he Oh, does. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a big cool. part of that movie. Okay. So um But yeah, like I I kind of like how this plays and I love Dave Batista. Um I like, think he's fantastic so, in this. I so okay. I think Dave Batista is fantastic in everything that he does now, pretty much. Like he doesn't have very many bad things. So, so I'll say this: I I agree with you. I think Batista's hurt by the fact that he's. I don't want to pr- compare him to Dwayne Johnson because he also has a similar background before acting. But like, he brings very much himself to a role most of the time, right? He has a hard time like getting a different cadence to his speech. It's kind of the same in everything he does. Mm-hmm. He brings himself to a role. He, he isn't transformative and it's hard to be with someone who's like kind of iconic like he is at this point, mm-hmm. you know, but that being said, he does a good job of, I believe being transformative here. The only thing he can't really mask is like, you know, the way his voice is, but he's like a big guy, he, he, he is a big guy, but like, in my opinion of all the movies I've seen with Batista in it now, this is like a fantastic performance by him. He became this character. It wasn't, Dave Batista is, you know, dressed up as this guy. It was like he took on this He's role. He's this guy. Yeah, and if it felt very much like that. So like it's kind of cool to see cuz like, you know, you know him as Drax, you know him as, mm-hmm. you know, he's had a couple really bad, co- you know, comedy quote-unquote movies, you know, like I liked him in Stuber. See, I thought Stuber was stupid, but but but, but that's a good point. Is you know, is like Stuber and films like it. This feels like 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 oh uh, like he took on a role and he like be, he took a part of that acting transformative process and it's really cool to see him doing it. I think he's fantastic in this film. Okay. He's I think he's one of the shining things of this in in the positive section. Okay. I, I will agree with you, but let's also not forget uh, a little movie um called Blade Runner twenty forty nine in which he sure he True. starts yep. that movie and boy he sets the tone so goddamn well in that movie yeah. is that's such an important role that he plays even though he's only on screen for minutes but mm-hmm. man. He started that movie off with a bang. He was great in that. But you, Chris, I agree with what you said. Is he does bring a certain kind of, you know, like like many physical actors do. He does bring a certain yeah. kind of spring, or, sorry, screen presence with him. Yeah. And I was, I'm glad you said it because that was part of my notes. Is I did feel like he really 
for the time they were shooting that, I felt like he became that character. Like that was, he acted like that guy on set. He was, he wasn't Dave Bautista for the weeks they were shooting that. He was that guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and yeah. more on that point, just because we're talking about it now is a lot of this movie rides on him. You it know does. what I mean? He is the, he, it's his movie. Yeah. He, he's the focal of, you know, of like the negative force in the film, however you want to see that or label that. But like he carries a lot of exposition with him. He has to explain the rules. He like all this is kind of on his rails and yep. he does a good job with, with all that responsibility in this film. So it's just good to see. I'm, 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 I'm nothing but happy for like that part of this movie. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I wasn't quite so convinced on the others though. That's, I wasn't quite so convinced on the other, par- the other characters he has with him, as in, Red. Well, Redmond Rupert Grant isn't with them for very long, but um, nope. uh, Nikki Amukabert as Sabrina and Abby Quinn as Adrian. I wasn't quite as convinced by their performances as well. They're Batista. they're outgunned by Dave Bautista, which is and, a weird thing to say, right? Yeah, you know, like I mean, legitimately though, because like his character is like the. I, I don't know if leaders right were but like the spokesperson mm. for this group. Yeah. Um he he takes over all the scenes that he, you know, when there's multiple people speaking, he is still the focal point. Yeah. He does have the gravitas here. Um and it works even to the point where he's trying to explain things to the guys and uh the little girl when mm-hmm. when he's trying to explain to it like he's trying to be straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Like, it's nothing personal. Hey, we didn't choose this. This is, it's just bad luck. Yep. But, you know, now this weight is on you. You have to make this decision. Whoever was here had to make this decision, and that is you. Mm-hmm. So, are you willing to make that sacrifice? Are you ready to choose? And this film takes off quick, too. Like, this movie doesn't waste any time, which I appreciate. Yeah. And it, it we're led into all this very quickly. You know, we start out with... Uh, with when you know outside in the field doing catch grasshoppers doing eight-year-old things right you know what i mean and then we're quickly introduced to dave batista's character which then sets off a chain of events it's not five minutes in this film where all this really just kicks off mm-hmm. and it doesn't stop from there the the, the movie is very much on it, it's very linear it's straightforward it, yeah it's on tracks you're in scene to scene. It's not a long movie either, which I think nope. is because of its it's on track. I nature. think it fits this movie better to not be mm-hmm. super long because the more you have to think about things in this movie, yeah. the less impactful it becomes. Yeah, and so. and Grace, I'm going to disagree with you on the comment about like the other characters. I think I think they're fine. I wasn't I wasn't taken aback or removed from uh from like the the story because of, like like their their acting or their portrayal of the characters. I think. I think they made the nurse seem very empathetic, but they're also very duty bound, which is something that yep. I, exists very much in that in her line of profession. Anyway. She hurt this guy, so she has to help him. Yep, and it's you know it's very much you know like like that. That's not an uncommon mindset in like that field of work. And you know the line cook is whatever, and you know Ron Weasley doing Ron Weasley things is fine. But this is where I always thought drunk angry Ron. Th- th- this is where I always knew he'd end up in the end. So that's that makes a lot of sense. But it's. I think they're fine. I don't think anyone's performance hurts. Besides, maybe like, uh, the the daughter has a few like tough lines early on, like when she's telling dad and dad about about the threat. It seems very very stiff and scripted. But it's hard for a kid to like gather that emotion when you know you don't want them to ever have to ex- have experienced that before. Yep. And this is her. This is her acting acting debut as well. well. So this is you know one, like, a, a job by her. One point I do want to it's never that i was taken out of the story by the other two it's just they weren't it was every every time 
every few minutes I was reminded that that Dave Batista is the name here. Okay, he is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, he, he, yeah, he's, and he's, he's he's also filling the guide role of the of the four horsemen. So, well, right, but that's sense. that's that's the thing is, uh, and it's not even Jonathan Groff who is the bigger actor than Ben Aldridge as Andrew. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Groff, he's he's kind of outgunned by, but like it, I I think on if you're talking look at the two major parties, the four horsemen and. Um, the the family, you know, there's one standout in each of those parties that are absolutely mm-hmm. the focal point of that. You know, of the yeah. the movie could just be those two, and it really wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't have you'd have a different movie, but not that different of a movie. Someone asking someone to do something, saying, him saying no. But yeah. um, yeah, that's what I. It's just I. Batista is such a better actor than those other two, or maybe not a better actor, but he, what I what I'm trying to say is, I. He, yes. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Is what Roger said. He does outgun the other ones by yeah, a I think huge he does. margin. It's fair. Yeah. That's yeah, not a knock on anybody else's. Well, it's no, no, no. A, a thing to Dave Batista here. Well, no, but I, I was never taken out of the movie or anything. That's what okay, I want to say. Good. But um, yeah. I, I do like movies like that. I want to say I do like movies like this where it's a small cast and it's a it's a one location type thing. Although we do have cutaways, we do have, you know, we flashbacks to a bar, we have flashbacks to the family in the car. We do have like little good. I don't think it's as on track as like it's not as linear as like three hundred, where it's like oh no okay, they're yeah. they're in the city and then oh they go to the hot gates and that's where it all happens. But it's you know we do cut away for you know a small bits of time elsewhere. But we cut away for some backstory to learn a little bit about you know supposed character mm-hmm. that really it, the weird thing about that is is yeah they were right about it the whole time but it doesn't even really come into play so like. That I never really understood what was the, like the point of that sidebar mm-hmm. or whatever, except to drive the narrative that they thought that they were here to sacrifice their family because of who they are. Yeah. Um, I, I almost wish they wouldn't have tried to hide it and just made it a part of the movie. Like, you know, like, like have them recognize him immediately. Yeah. You know, well, and have that be the point of tension for a mm-hmm. little bit instead of it like being this. Yeah, it was him. And yeah, then it's it like not, a surprise it and it, it doesn't equate to anything. Yeah, he's decapitated on the fucking porch, yeah. dude. What does it matter? Yep. <laughs> like it does like it, I, I don't understand why that decision was made but i guess it's kind of a you know for someone outside to kind of like you know wrap their head around it you know or kind of take you off off the path as the movie progresses if you're trying to like guess them some things so one thing i do want to i want to go into for a second is uh, i do want to say that i i i like this movie mm-hmm. um i don't listen it's not a masterpiece or no, anything like no. that it's not even <laughs> not even in the top 5 of M Night Shyamalan movies to me but it's it's a serviceable movie the problem that i have with it is and i think this is a problem that m night Shyamalan will have with movies because like look me and chris were talking he didn't write this movie mm-hmm. like it's not his original he directs it every time we have an m night Shyamalan movie aren't we always expecting a twist yeah right like isn't that what he does mm-hmm. am i right grayson yeah yeah you're definitely like, right. isn't that his thing there's no twist in this movie yeah and I, and I agree with that. There, there is no twist. Like, I, unless you consider the twist was these guys were telling the truth. <laughs> that, and well, I don't know that if that quantifies. That, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that works that way. Yeah. Well, if it was um, anyone else, but if it was anyone else but M. Night, I would say there is no twist. But I think the twist here is the fact that there is no twist. Like, everyone's looking for no, that one thing. Yeah, I think that's that, cop out. That's, you know. Well, no, no. But when M. M. Night has never made a movie where there wasn't on, some twist in the end. Maybe M. Night doesn't want a twist in this film. Maybe M Knight doesn't want to be the twist guy for this film. Maybe he wanted to make a movie 
about a cool book that he read that he really liked and had some people write up for him. You know well, what I mean? Well, fine, uh, but it, and, until he makes another one without a twist, I'm going to say the twist was there was no twist. You can't no. of movie twelve right, of twelve fine, sure, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> movie twelve of twelve. You you, you 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 can't say you know what? There's no twist now, but I didn't want to. Well, yeah, we no, need no. to be pretty consistent. We expect, we're having yeah. a goddamn twist or not? Now I want a pretzel. Yeah. Honey twists. I love those things. Oh, yeah. so oh, those, yeah. those, My buddies those... hate them. They say they're the worst of the twists, and they're wrong. Yeah, that's, that's wait, wait. You mean the you, you mean the, the 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 Fritos, the honey barbecue? No, no, no. I mean no. like the the pretzel braided pretzel twists. Oh yeah, those are great. Yeah. See. Yeah. yeah. Delicious with like a cold beer. I get those. <laughs> I get those sometimes at, at AMC with the big thing of cheese, the the massive pretzel. Yeah, oh no, I'm great. talking like the like the the, the hard cr- ones, the, hard yeah. ones, like yep. the crunchy ones. I know you're talking. I'm with you. Okay. Delicious. This this has been pretzel talk. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably talk more about pretzels in the rest of this movie if we're going to be honest. To be honest, there's not much well, so, okay. to talk about. So substantially, right? Yeah. Was when it comes to substance of this movie, I don't have much to really say. Yeah. So the movie just kind of plays out in front of you. Like, you know, a lot of times when there's a movie like this where we have two separate kind of entities, you're supposed to feel one way or another towards you know, the good guys are the bad guys, mm-hmm. right? At no point do I ever real am I really ever invested in either group. I'm just kind of like, all right, let's see where it's going here. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I don't think anybody's necessarily good or necessarily bad. Even the guy that we find out that has had history with one of these guys that would probably be the closest thing we have to a bad guy doesn't even matter. Nope. Right. And it comes down to choices that are made, yeah. which is, I guess, I guess the moral of the story would be like, all all family drama is the biggest drama, I yeah. guess. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. That isn't that the moral here? Yeah, you know? uh, it, it's something like you know. I think in the end, the drama doesn't matter. Yeah, you know right. I mean? it's yeah. Just got to move on, right? Yep. You got to make your choice. Got to live with it, right? Yeah. But while this is happening, is like you don't have a rooting interest. You're just kind of like watching the story play out because once you get to about the halfway mark of the movie, like it's. Peace, 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 yep. peace. Like there is no lull. There is no long periods of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like make a decision. Someone dies. Something happens. Make a decision. Someone dies. Something happens. We get a little bit of a lull where we end up, you know, shooting somebody in the arm and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody cuts their own throat. And yeah, whatever. That's weird. Yeah, but then yeah. again, though, it's make a choice. Didn't make a choice. Someone dies. Got to make a choice movie's over right yeah well okay I, well i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing mm-hmm. but there's not a whole lot of points where i can like pick out and be like well you know i think the movie really turns when it's it gets here like the movie goes it's not it's it's paced pretty well but like that last 40 minutes is just a blur of things happening well, it, I, think all a, I think it's a very steady upward slope like, like upward trajectory of like of like the events in the movie right mm-hmm. like it's it's we're you know we're giving the scenario we're shown something things happen here's the result and it repeats this process yep it just it gets a little bit faster in, in, in its repetitions you know by the time we get to like you know like you said the back half of the film well i do have some questions at least for a discussion point is mm-hmm. when did when did jonathan groff's character begin to drink the kool-aid i guess oh, because pretty early well, on actually well because let's talk about what he saw the the thing the light light. because like we were i mean you're meant to see that in the in the reflection it's that's the thing is you're absolutely meant so there's no question of well was that meant to be yes that was meant to be seen yeah so that's what changed that's what started him thinking in one direction right that's what we're taking is that incident 
Okay, well that's yeah, it, it is, and like uh, I do believe that that he doesn't like fully drink the Kool Aid at, at that point, but I think that plants the seed. But there's a point where you can see on his face the fact that he's buying what they're saying, that he's no longer in complete denial. I think you know he sees he's he's shown the quote unquote the proof, and then you can kind of see in his face he's kind of like accepting the fact that there could be something else happening here. Whereas the other guy is completely shut down from it, you know, that kind of thing. But like you can see on his face that he does at some point. Oh, yeah, I, he I, I agree. He definitely kind of like is having an, a, an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, I mean, so there, there's definitely got to be some kind of, there is a religious aspect to this movie. As, as there are with, oh, yeah. sorry, as there is with a, a lot of M. Night's movies, is there's, there's a weird kind of, you know, religious aspect with some of this stuff. Especially, you know, with the film, the happening sucks, but... I mean, there's a well, kind of religious thing there too, but it's it's also like a lot of his movies deal with the end of the world, and yeah, how and okay. how like and how like a few people or a family can prevent it. I mean, let's talk about science for a second. You know, the alien invasion is coming, except for you know we in our small corner of Pennsylvania and our family with you know Mel Gibson's family and Ray Reddy, they they've somehow stemmed the. Th- but like that's the thing of you know that's been lately. You know, even after Earth is. A lot of his it just oh, Christ, kind of, I forgot that was one of his movies. Yeah, yeah with Will Smith, which huge, yeah. huge disaster for him. I feel like all that was just a lot of favors, though. That movie well, it could so. have been, but I mean, I it's amazing that he was riding so high for so long on those first three or four movies he made that were so good. Um, you know, un, Unbreakable. Um, oh, I see dead people. The Sixth Sense, which was that that was revolution. That was pretty revolutionary in its own right. But that was a big deal. That was a massive deal. Oh, I mean, let's talk about like when his like his rejuvenation. Let's talk about Split. Mm-hmm. Split is awesome. Yeah, like it is a great movie, right? And then to have everything kind of come to a head with the, what was the other one after Glass. that? Glass. Okay, sure, fine. But then we got old, right? Which I remember we talked about old here. I don't think any of us necessarily hated I, it. I know I wasn't. But we, here's it. the thing. We weren't really big fans of yeah. it. Like the concept and the twist of that was kind of like, okay, okay. I can see what yeah. they're doing here. But after that, I'm just like, movies is fucking weird. Yeah. Right? Now, now, just because you mentioned old, I wanted to bring this up. Like he does a very good job. And you brought up devil as well, Grayson, with like shooting a film in a small space right because yep. like all he helps like, keep the budget down it really does it really does <laughs> so like but like this film just basically in this cabin for the most part you know for like 90 percent of the film i think he does a great job with that just like he did with the elevator and then with like you know the, the shoreline with yeah, old. the beach yep. yeah it, it's kind of impressive to watch him do these things that those things feel like m night Shyamalan movies at this point to me is like you know the small locations you know you know he he gets very close with his shots with like people mm-hmm. and he he does a lot of very like like unique like 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 movement work with like the actors in the set and like i thought about i thought about um those things as i was watching it and realized that i i see more things in m night Shyamalan movies than just the twist at this point which is kind of cool because it you know i've been watching his movies basically my whole life at this point i just think it's something that's like worth noting that you know he, it's a very good use of the space you know from what we, like i'm used to with other actors and other directors well i don't i don't have a problem with i mean i don't have a problem with that kind of i actually prefer movies a lot of the time because they're smaller scale helps well, sometimes they're, they're smaller scale and they're simpler it's like I mean, I don't mind that this is a shorter movie because it's a smaller scale. It's in one location. I, I mean, but as long as it's okay and decent, then I'm. I'll watch these movies all day. It's 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 when they're it's 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 when they're 
one 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 or two locations of small cast that also suck. Well, that's, I, that's I, I have a th- <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, I have a theory why it works so well with this movie though. I feel like the small scale and the tight space is meant because it it's to make it feel more personal because I think it's the family thing. Yeah. Like what's happening here is very personal to like these seven people. Right. And like, I think that's kind of supposed to make that like drive that home in a subconscious way where like, this is all happening with these people. It's their decisions. Everything is in the balance of what happens here. So it feels very intimate in that sense. And I think that's uh, actually a big win for the film and like the direction that they chose for that. I, I really like that. Okay. Um, I do want to say like the like the one thing that really bothers me about this film, and it's thinking about it now. I think M. Light Shyamalan does this in other movies. I don't like the exposition given through the TV. So like I you see things. Well, so okay, I I see why they do it in this scenario. I get it. Well, because I was going to mention this when you were talking about the size and the scale when Grace was talking about it. I think if you have this movie with more set pieces and more locations, you don't get an M. Night Shyamalan movie. You get a big budget disaster movie. Okay, yeah. Like, that's the kind of movie you get. Mm -hmm. But when we see news clippings, you know, press things, I think that helps keep the scale small Mm -hmm. while making it feel more global. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, and one of the things, too, is they kind of – the 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 guys try to use it against them be like well hey this is a setup this is a setup yeah. that was a pre-programmed thing you keep looking at your watch and i see why they would say something mm-hmm. along that line and you but then you find out no it's still actually happening yeah but you know i think it helps add with that a little bit of a mystery like is this bullshit is it mm-hmm. not and you know we obviously find out that really it isn't yeah. and it everything is actually happening but i it helps keep that narrative of like this isn't a real thing happening mm-hmm. this is just because you people hate us because we're the way we are yeah um i think using that helps keep that smaller and it works and it definitely saves budget true <laughs> yep that's that's definitely fair saves budget money right uh, yep. there gotcha i mean well, how much it, it costs yeah. to flood an entire beach with a giant tsunami no it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot also, you know even digital is it's you know it's a lot well that's it's just got to happen but I thought, also I thought this is did, something I thought, that i thought they just did that to scale with you know how many that. planes they had to knock out of the sky for this i thought it was just like <laughs> like like, like, a, like a bathtub with like a little like waveful machine oh you yeah know, like little yeah, small little like, boats. yeah yeah so you think so you don't think those planes are real huh uh <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't. You don't. You don't think. You don't think they crashed. You don't think. You don't think they crashed th- hundreds 12, of twelve planes. airliners. Just, just, we gotta just get the shot, guys. Uh, but it's it does a good. Jo- I Next think you're tell me that lightning wasn't real, and that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Next, you're gonna tell me that they really didn't kill Rupert Grant. Pff, you kidding me? Um, Whatever. Yeah, that's. It, it, He's it's definitely a- dead. <laughs> Well, I mean, his career died a long time ago. Hey, oh, let's wow. talk. Wow. Okay, okay, okay. Rupert, you want to write one show? Real talk for one second, and I hate the I use real talk, but has he been relevant mm-hmm. since Harry Potter? I mean, like he was the I mean, least he's relevant in an person. Apple TV in series yeah, right now. He's been in some stuff. That's so long after. Okay, fine, but listen. Okay, okay listen. Point, point no, is he, this. Okay, he's been no more irrelevant than. Okay, well, maybe a little less relevant. He's than, been less relevant than, than his Daniel I haven't really. There hasn't really been too much for Emma Watson. There's been like two things. There's been plenty. Eh, whatever, whatever. I know. Listen, I'm not trying to knock old uh, Ronnie yeah, down yeah, a yeah, peg, yeah. but look, his other stars have had a little bit more. Gotcha. All right, he's, yeah. he's fine. Enough. All right, so we're, we're we're gonna start to wrap it up here, but okay. I do because it's not one of those. I, I don't want to dedicate a whole bunch of time to this because it's not this. All we do now is ruin the viewing that you might potentially have. Mm-hmm. 
you know, listener, if you haven't seen well, it yet, that's the thing is now it's just comes spoilers. In a real honest film. way, there's not a lot to talk about this film, but there's not a lot that happens in it. But that doesn't mean it's not good. There's not a lot of discussion points. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, like, I mean, it, it, I think I mean as far as the you know religious zealots, fun, fun fanaticism, what's real versus what's made up, and I mean, I do, I would like to dedicate a minute or two to that ending, and maybe not per se the ending, but that what. That last, you know, 10 minutes, no, that may be, the last like six or seven minutes could have been condensed to about 30 seconds. Probably. True. And and I was wondering, is there something more coming because of that? And there wasn't, except what, so was the, was the movie, was M. Night trying to hit you with some, what was the profound realization that they were trying to hit you with at the end of that movie? I don't understand that part of it. Well, I think the one thing that it was meant to be is like life just moves on. Mm-hmm. Like I think that was it. Just all this bad stuff just happened. Well, we have to move forward. I think, um, I think one of the one of the the guys says it before like the sacrifice is made. Right? Maybe this has just been happening for all of mankind, mm-hmm. you know, for for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's just our turn. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, and like, I think that's the realization you're supposed to get is, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened. It was written about in some book, you know, the last time it happened. Right. And before that, there was time, a time before that and a time before that. This is just their turn. I think that's the realization you're supposed to get from the movie is. Okay. Huh. Okay. I didn't look at it like that, but that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Well, no, but that there is. So, so then the walk, the, the, the walkway point from that is then when that happened, every time the family has chosen to kill one of their own to prevent the apocalypse. The sacrifice has been made. Yeah. Well, I mean, yep. isn't that the whole thing? Like, isn't sacrifice one for the good? I mean, isn't that the whole, like, the, st- if there's one, if you boil down humanity to one story, isn't that the story that everyone goes to church for on Sunday is one person sacrifice himself to save everyone else? Yeah. I mean, isn't that the whole, you know, that I don't want, you know, we're not that kind of podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm saying there, there is, there's definitely, should be. <laughs> there's definitely massive religious undertones in this movie, which I didn't hate. Um, well, and it, you, you you can't you can't have the story that they're trying to tell here and have right, the characters and what they represent without using the, the at least the religious undertones that you know you have to access. I agree with that. I I, yeah. I would agree. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am I am grateful that it wasn't you know heavy heavy hand, like handover or heavy handed with that kind of. It was there to if you. It was there to take away if you want to take away from. Or I mean, you could very well watch this movie and not. And I don't think a lot has changed. You know, here's I, my last question. Movies. Here's my last question before I'll be done with it. Okay. If this movie would have done the Shyamalana twist, and this would not have been like what was happening, and it was some setup or some thing, and everyone was being duped, would you be pissed about this movie? That's a good question. Because because I'll go first. I'd have hated this movie if that was the case. Hundred percent. I'll one word answer it and say, would I have hated it? No. Would I have necessarily liked it? No. no. <laughs> I think you understand what I mean yeah, when yeah, I say no, I that. It, I get it. It wouldn't have been the worst thing, but I would have been like, fuck, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so the twist is, what's the twist then? That it wasn't, it was, it was all a farce and it was all... I'm not saying it's a twist. I, I, well, okay, I'm saying that, like, what if this movie would have been the other way where 
these weren't the four horsemen of the apocalypse because I love that concept. I love that. It's a neat idea. I love that. I love that story. I, you know, I, I, I like, I like, like, like their point in religious texts. I, I think that's all like a very interesting, like you know, like like thing in in history, quote unquote. But like, yeah, like what, like what if you watch this film, Grayson, and it's revealed to you that there's some guy in some booth, you know, a hundred miles away watching all this on cameras and like is just running an experiment and you know none of it was real well yep. that but then you have to then are the people dead for real but in order to set that yes, up they are well then it would be like the the ending to, to to the mist where sorry spoilers from 2013 or whatever but when he when they drive as far as they can to get away from all these hideous monsters these spider mm-hmm. creatures that are killing people and then he shoots his family and a woman he could fall in love with and his son um and then he gets out of his car asking the monster to kill him. And then the U.S. military rolls on by with guns and tanks. And obviously they beat the menace. You know what I mean? Like, is mm-hmm. it that kind of? Because that when I first saw that, I felt like shit for a week mm-hmm. because of that one to see that one powerful ass scene. And that movie's got a whole bunch of also religious. Under, that's a whole different story. But actually, it's not too different of a story, really. But I mean, is so the twist is, are they dead for real? And why would why would they do that if it was? You know, there'd be a whole bunch of different questions to ask. But also, if you're going to do that, the question that I was waiting for in the movie that never came, especially from the um, the Aldridge character, I think his name was Andrew, not the Groff character, was mm-hmm. when the others were, were preoccupied with trying to turn the TV on or doing something to plan their next move, try to get them to sacrifice someone and say yes. I wanted him to look at the Groff character and say, either these are the four horsemen or they aren't. And I think that they avoided that because they didn't want to indicate that there may have been a twist because like, look, I, I, again, going back to twisting, I was waiting the entire goddamn time for a twist because we've never seen an M night movie without a twist. So I was waiting for it, but what is the twist? If there is one, I I don't know. It could be any number of things, but if it's the fact that this, the events aren't actually real and they're putting some family up through a test, that's shitty because people are dead. Yep. (laughs) And that's shitty. (laughs) Yeah. But, but it's a good question, Chris. If there was a twist, what would it be? That's a very good question. But uh, that may be the question to ask. It actually is. What is the twist if there was one? What do All you right. Think, Roger? Time to score it up. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I, you guys have gone first the past couple of weeks. Um, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like this movie as much as you guys did. Um, but for me, this this sits at a five and a half. I think it's it's obviously better than average. I can recommend it to people who like. These kind of films, you know, slower movies with not a lot of action, but there's some interesting things going on. I like Rupert, uh, Rupert Grint. I like Dave Bautista is excellent, though. Um, I'm, but I'm not in, in love with Gem Night Shyamalan as I once was. So five and a half is where it sits for me. So it turns out you like it almost as much as I do. I gave it a six. Okay. So um, Dave Bautista, Dave Bautista's movie, man. Um like I said, I have a hard time seeing him as anything but good in just about everything he's been in look recently. Uh, the movie's pretty straightforward. I kind of like the idea behind it. I don't know if I want to see it on a bigger scale or what I could have done to improve it, but it ain't my movie to do that. But I think this movie's slightly above average. It's a decent Shyamalan movie, and it doesn't have a twist, which in itself, I guess, is a twist. Ah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm actually going to be the highest one here at a six and a half. Fourteen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at a six and a half i'm a sucker for these but for like these like biblical like content stories 
and anything with like the religious undertones. I'm a big angels, demons guy. So this this fits right along with it. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse is something that's very interesting to read about if you haven't. It, and they they utilize this all very well. I, I I didn't guess the whole Four Horsemen thing. Like I I identified them as that very early. It's not a pat on the back. It's just I I do know about like some of the the stories behind them. So I was very I was very you know happy about you know that revelation being true. All right. The film's decent and. Like you said, Roger Batista does a fantastic job in this film, and I think that you know the movie is above average. It's I think it's in my bracket of good Shyamalan movies. So yeah, six and a half. I think this movie is pretty good. All right, all right, fair enough. Well, gentlemen, we have done another another uh, episode. This we do time, that sometimes. We do, you know, we, we we watch a fair bit of movies now and again. <laughs> Yes. All right, this has been episode 317A of For the Love of Cinema, a movie hey. podcast. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcasters of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. I'm Christopher Bond. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, always posting things on social media. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're taking a look at Magic Mike's Last Dance and Tar. Magical Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs>